0: This episode is brought to you by R1 RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www. R1RCM.com slash Beckers.
1: Hello and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review Podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. With me today is John Kuris. John is president and chief executive officer at Temper General Hospital. Welcome to the podcast, John. It's great to be here. Let's start by learning a little
0: bit more about you, please, John, and about Temper General. Well, I started in healthcare, I can't believe what I'm about to tell you. I started in healthcare like 30 years ago at the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, and then sort of made my way through the industry, um, Got went to, spent about 10 years at MGH, moved down to Florida, uh, spent another 10 years at the BayCare Health System, um, bounced around a little bit in Florida to a few different systems, and then ended up at Tampa General and I'm really I, I love academic medicine, and Tampa General and the University of South Florida were partners, and so what we are is a very large integrated academically and research oriented health system. We've got six hospitals, roughly one hundred and forty locations, close to fourteen thousand team members and physicians, and we're spread out over all of uh, most of Florida and Um, We're a big tertiary, quaternary health system. Um, Our focus is on academics. Our focus is on research. Um, So we take care of rare and complex work. And it's it's sort of a vast network of academic medicine. And we do that, as I said, in collaboration with USF Health and the Morsani College of Medicine. And it's great to be here.
1: Wonderful. We're going to cover a bit of the waterfront of some of the big challenges facing healthcare leaders as they head into 2024. We'll start with a, a nice meaty one, uh, which is uh, pay, payer relations. Uh, it's always an area that's been challenging, of course, right? It's a, it's a, it's a negotiation, it's a relationship, yeah. but it feels like an area that's become more challenging, more contentious over the last couple of years. Do you think that's true? I
0: think in some instances, you actually before I start, I mean, you really started off with like the hardest question, yeah, right? Right. Um, We've got to keep the audience uh, yeah, got to keep here. Them yeah. on the edge yeah. of their seats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think over the last few years, it's become a little bit more contentious, for sure. I I would agree with that assessment. Um, but I don't think it needs to be. No. So I'm so I think what the future holds for payer relations is more of a collaborative approach, and it it should be more collaborative. And for those that are listening that might think I'm being a bit naive when I say it should be more collaborative, I I completely disagree. And the reason I disagree is because the way we've been doing it hasn't worked, right? I mean, payers vilify us, we vilify them, Um, we fight about contracts, we argue about payment schedules. And it's just not working. It's very transactional, very disjointed and very fragmented. And I think there's a better way. I I think payers and providers need to get into rooms, leave the guns and knives outside, come into the actual meeting rooms and sit down and be more collaborative. Talk about how we build something that is patient and provider centric. We build something that can add value to the consumer of healthcare and recognize that we all have to do well financially because you can't provide services to a community with a padlock on your front door because you can't run your enterprise profitably. Mm -hmm. There's enough money in the system, in my opinion, for us to have those conversations and for us to think differently about the way we work together. I'll offer up a very quick example. I'm very proud of the relationship we have with Florida Blue. And Guidewell, the parent company in our state of Florida, very proud of that team, of the relationship we have. I have a very deep relationship with their president and CEO, Pat Garrity. And certainly we argue around contracting terms and conditions. Um, sometimes we get after each other around the pricing schedule, but 90% of what we do is collaborative. Um, it's innovative. It's disruptive in a good way, and it sort of works off the general thesis that we have to do well financially, both of us, but most importantly, the patient has to benefit. So what new models and programs and services can we create to provide that value? Dig a little bit deeper. People listening might say, okay, but give us an example. Mm -hmm. Very proud of this program. We actually have a program with Florida Blue where Florida Blue will identify, and I'm grossly oversimplifying for the podcast, but basically Florida Blue will identify frequent flyers that go to the ED unnecessarily. And then they'll start to offer a benefit in their plan that says, look, before you go immediately to the ED because you don't feel well, call this triage line at TGH in our health system. And we'll talk about what's going on with you. And we'll determine, do you need to go to an ED? Do you need to go to a primary care office? And maybe you don't have a primary care doctor and we can coordinate one for you. Do you need to go to an urgent care center? Or do we need to come to you? Because we have urgent care at home. The ED, it's diverted unnecessary visits from the ED significantly. Well, that wouldn't have worked if we didn't have The collaborative sort of environment that we created between Florida Blue and TGH and create sort of this esprit de corps around the work we do. So that's what I mean about collaborating with payers and sort of let's stop vilifying each other and let's roll up our sleeves together and solve really difficult problems, but do that together. Yes,
1: it's a great example. It feels like in some parts of the country, in particular, perhaps on the West Coast, that relationship between payer and provider has deteriorated to such an extent that litigation is the first impulse. What advice would you have to leaders of health systems over on that side of the country to take stock, maybe step back and think about how to rebuild
0: these constructive relationships? I I would simply say stop. If your first choice is to litigate, it's a bad first choice. Yeah. No one really wins when you litigate other than the attorneys. And the attorneys are just doing their job, right? They're doing what we're asking them to do, but we're not actually solving the problem. We're just litigating an issue. Yeah. No one's winning in that, right? So, what I would tell you to do is take a breath, step back think about your strategies long-term, think about your vision and what you're trying to accomplish and reach out to the payer and change the dialogue, change the narrative. And and that's what we did in Florida. And I would submit to the listeners that if you can do it in Florida, you can do it in any state in our country. Because Florida being the third largest state in the country, it's almost like three states in one. If you look at the demographic and how the state lays itself out, and it's hyper-competitive, lots of people moving into the state, Um, if we can do it, anybody can. So my my advice would be before you react, step back, think about what you're trying to accomplish and why, and think more strategically. Mm -hmm. And when people who are listening to this say, well, that's naive, it's not, we're doing it. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're absolutely doing it. We are changing conversations. We are changing the value proposition. It's happening. It happens slowly. You have to be intentional. You have to be patient. You have to be willing to compromise. If you're willing to do those things, I think the future is bright. And I'm cautiously optimistic about what lays ahead of us as an industry. Very good. I'd like to
1: ask a question about another area: the, the regulatory environment, and and a, a, again, perhaps about being proactive, which is maybe a a good word to use for what you've described so far about your your payer relationships. Looking at the regulatory environment, it's complex; it changes all the time. You've got local regulation, you've got federal regulation. How do you navigate through that as a health system in a way that is proactive and, and keeping ahead of this rather than just being in react mode all the
0: time? It's a great question. Well, we respond carefully. We spend a lot of time understanding the topography, both at the state and federal levels. So we we spend a lot of time understanding the why behind decisions that are being made at the state level and at the federal level. The other thing that we do that I think is a little bit unique is a lot of times when I go to the state, for example. So we have a wonderful state government. Um, We have great leaders, and we have legislators who want to do the right thing for their constituents and for the state of Florida. We do. They need to rely on us as subject matter experts to make decisions around policy and payments. One way you do that is you get to know them, you get to understand their issues, you go up and meet with them and actually go up and not ask for anything, just update them on what's happening. This is what we do. We'll update them on what's happening with our system. We'll share what's going on in our communities. We'll talk about our challenges, but we'll also talk about our solutions and we'll offer ourselves up as subject matter experts. Come to us when you have deep vexing issues so together we can collaborate and make the right policy decisions Mm -hmm. for the people that we serve Mm -hmm. and not be reactionary and the really good legislators and leaders will tell you that when you don't act as an advocate and as a subject matter expert what you force them to do is legislate your issues and they usually get it wrong They'll openly admit that when you're right. in private. Right. So if that's if they're if they're being vulnerable to us as an industry saying help us, right. we should help them. Yeah. And by the way, this isn't unique to Florida. Every state can do this. The federal government can do this. Go up there proactively. And don't go up there all the time with an ask. Mm -hmm. Don't go up there all the time with your hand out for more money or some policy change. Just go up there to share information information. and talk about Mm -hmm. what's going on. Because what happens is you build trust and your political capital grows, your goodwill grows. And when you do need them Mm or they need you, you're there for each other. Mm -hmm. It's much more collaborative because it's more proactive. John, let's
1: uh, switch gears finally to the patient um, and talk about that, uh, uh, obviously, the person at the heart of the health system. How have you seen patient expectations change over the last few years? We we use technology more. There have been societal changes as well that maybe we, maybe you see reflecting in interactions in, in your facilities. Um, can you tell us about how you've sure. seen the patient change?
0: Sure, absolutely. Let me let me just give you one different perspective because you said something. I, it's a great question. and you said, hey, let's talk about the patient. They're at the heart of the industry. I, I would change that a little bit. I don't think they're at the heart of the industry. Our team members, our physicians, they're at the heart of the industry. And the way we do it at TGH is our team members and physicians come first and our patients come second. We fundamentally believe That if you take care of your team members, if you take care of your physicians, if you give them what they need, where they need it, and when they need it, they do their very best work. And the ultimate beneficiary and stakeholder is the patient. But you don't get there by making the patient number one. You get there by making the team members and physicians number one, which then translates to a great experience for the patient and that experience in our world is defined by improved service outcome and cost. What are we seeing um, in relationship to that? Uh, We're seeing um, patients frustrated with the system. We're seeing patients feeling like the system is fragmented and disjointed and not adding the value that it should add to their experience. And we need to address that. And we're addressing that through a robust approach around care coordination. I recently just talked about it here at Becker's and I suggested to the audience that they ask themselves what, for the providers anyway, in the room, what business are they in? They're not in the health and wellness business. They're in the care coordination business. Health and wellness is a component of care coordination, but it's not what we do. We are care coordinators. And until we embrace that, until we remove silos and we um, get after the fragmentation of the industry, patients will still be discouraged with the system. Because when you think about interactions, when someone's really sick in healthcare in this country, they get great care. They get great care. Lives are being saved every day, right? People's lives are being changed for the positive every day because of healthcare in the United States. Very positively. What frustrates patients is the lack of care coordination, the fragmentation, the siloed kind mm-hmm. of aspects of the business. It's very difficult to navigate. That's what we're focusing, and on. that and that bridges between the administrative
1: aspects of healthcare, the the clinical aspects of healthcare. Presumably, hundred percent. It yeah. bridges.
0: It sort of transcends all aspects of right. healthcare. For right. Sure. are yep. Spot on. It's about how you experience. This is how you experience it. Yeah. One last thing I'd say on it. I use this as an example. There's lots of other great examples, but I ask people, you've got an iPhone on your on it right now, right? Why do you love iPhone? Well, you probably tell me, we don't have time to go through the exercise, but you'd probably tell me it's, it's intuitive. It's safe. It's reliable. It's um, real easy to use. Yeah. The tools are fun. Um, You wouldn't describe healthcare that way, would you? And I'd submit to you that you should describe healthcare that way. Our journey, simply put, is we will be the apple of healthcare for the state of Florida. That's the journey that TGH is on. And I'd like others to think in those terms too. Learn from other industries because we can learn a lot from other industries and then apply that in our own industry. We have to shift paradigms. Think of it this way. Healthcare is like a big Gordian knot. It's a a big tangled web. If we don't start untangling it thoughtfully and methodically, somebody else is going to do it for us. And we're not going to like what other people do to our industry. We have to disrupt from within. And we have to get comfortable with disrupting from within. We have to get comfortable with failing and failing fast. Because that all translates to the patient experience. Mm -hmm. Back to your question. It all translates to the experience that the patient's having. We just, we have to think differently. Are we, are we, are we doing it? We are doing it. Are we doing it fast enough? I don't think so.
1: John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Sure. Really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Thanks for having me.